at this point, uh, graduating seniors this past year were excited to get out of their hometowns, get out of their bedrooms, get off of Zoom, and enroll in college. We're about a month into the new school year. It's the first time on campus for many freshmen and even some sophomores. We take a look at what the incoming freshman class looks like. Also, we take a look into how the university handles sexual assault claims and why so few go through formal investigations. Finally, we explain what's going on with redistricting in the city of Madison and how the campus area District 8 was expected to be impacted by the original map proposals. All of that is brought to you by the Student Dive Team, a podcast production from the Daily Cardinal. You can find these stories online and in our print editions around campus. The university enrolled a record number of students this year. About a quarter of the class of 2025 are students of color, which is more than ever before. Students are also feeling the impacts of more freshmen on campus, especially in housing situations. Here to talk about this story is Claire Laliberte. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So this year was a record-breaking year for the size of UW's freshman class in general and for new in-state uh, students as well, since 55% of the class is from either Wisconsin or Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So why do you think so many people enrolled this year? I think, for me personally, I was originally going to be a part of the class of 2024, but because of COVID, I took a year off, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that did that. Uh, a lot of people were less eager to come to college in general because of the online classes situation. And I think at this point, uh, graduating seniors this past year were excited to get out of their hometowns, get out of their bedrooms, get off of Zoom, and enroll in college. So I think more people wanted to experience that, and Madison's a great place to do that. Are you yourself um, an in-state student, or are you out of state? I'm not. I'm from Massachusetts, actually. Oh, nice. Um, nice. But my family is all from Montello, Wisconsin, which is a small mm -hmm. town. They all live out here, and it's nice to be close to them. Very nice. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what UW's uh, reciprocity program does for students? Yeah, so in Minnesota, uh, students receive something similar to the in-state tuition uh, amount if they come to Madison and vice versa if you are from Wisconsin and you go to the University of Minnesota. Um, so that is a big way that Madison draws students from Minnesota. And I believe about one in 10 students is from Minnesota here, which is pretty good numbers for a state that's not um, you know, the state of the school. Uh, and yeah, that has aided a lot of people in being able to afford medicine. So is this a relatively new program or is it just the records, uh, the numbers were higher this year than normal? Um, the numbers were higher this year than normal is my understanding of it. I think that, like I said, people are eager to come to, to college and Madison offers a really great all-around experience. Uh, what did the freshmen you talked to have to say about their experience so far? I was overall positive. I mean, obviously n not everything is perfect, but I think people were excited to be on campus, to be in person for their classes when they started when they started college. Um, I talked to Neha Thalpur, who's an international student from India, and she chose Madison. She didn't really know a ton about it. Um, she chose it for its chemistry program, and I think she told me she was a bit nervous to move you know, across the world to a place where she doesn't know anybody, but she's had a very good experience so far, although she does acknowledge that the dorms are pretty packed. Yeah, uh, for sure. So you mentioned that um, just under 1 in 10 freshmen are international students. Is that a record for UW this year? I'm not sure if it's a record, but I know it's a very high number. 
Do you think that number will increase as the years go on? I think that demand for UW abroad will always be high because it's a big school. It's in a mid-sized city. It offers great programs for a lot of um, things, especially STEM fields, which a lot of people want to come abroad to study. So yeah, I expect those numbers to go up, or at least I don't know how many international students UW will accept every year. I don't know if there's a limit to that, but I'm sure that applications will continue to rise. How has your own experience been as a freshman in the residence halls? Is it more crowded than you thought it would be? And do you think that um, the freshmen you talked to had similar opinions? Well, I am in a triple, um, which I'm in Chadbourne, which, as you know, has small rooms. Yeah. But I, um, I, we got put in the triple, which is like the den, like the common space off the lounge that got converted into a room. And I mean, I'm happy with it. It's pretty big and my roommates are cool. But yeah, I mean, you feel it like, you know, people on my floor have to go up a floor to use the kitchen, wash their dishes Mm. and stuff because our kitchen is blocked off and also part of our room. So they couldn't really use it anyway. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, I think it affects everybody, but I honestly don't think it's been that much of an issue. I think that from what I've seen, the forced triples in those housing situations are actually pretty nice. Do most residence halls have um, forced triples now, or is this something that's sort of unique to Chadbourne and maybe like a few others? I don't know about most, but I've definitely heard from other people in other residence halls that either they're in the same situation or they know people who are. Mm. Um, I went in a triple in Leopold recently. It's enormous. It's bigger than ours. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I know that it's... uh, It's been done before, but this year definitely has the highest number of those situations. Um, You mentioned that uh, Dan Cornelius of the law school's Great Lakes Indigenous Law Center Mm -hmm. um, has proposed offering courses at UW that connect to indigenous experiences and or offering food at dining halls that come from the Great Lakes tribes. Um, Do you think the university will consider such resolutions? Have they done anything to consider it so far that you know of? So far, not that I know of. I know that... um, There are some offerings. I'm personally in a class taught by um, Professor Cornelius that is very much like it's about the indigenous experience in an authentic way. It's not like a sit down in a classroom type of class. We experience things. We go places. We cook food and braid corn. So it's cool. And I think that more classes like that would not only make indigenous students feel more welcome and at home here, but also like educate Madison students about their experiences and their and their cultures, because it's it's. A lot of indigenous related education in our schooling, like in America in general, is very much like, first of all, very much like this is the past and these cultures don't exist anymore, which is not true. And it's also pretty one dimensional. So I think more classes like that would really benefit everybody. And I, I'm not sure if I anticipate UW making that a priority in the near future, but I think that they, it's time for them to take action beyond land acknowledgements. Is there anything else that you think readers should know about your story? I think that it's important to acknowledge that even though we have come far as a university, we need to keep um, progressing because it's still the case for many of these students um, that they, you know, there are issues here, there are issues everywhere, and the university can make steps towards addressing those, and so can we as students. Um, I think that the, especially what I talked about with Dan, the indigenous experience here, is overlooked. The university press release with the demographic information didn't even mention Indigenous students, so I think that we can all make an effort to be a little bit more conscious. Thank you so much for being here, Claire. Yeah, of course. An email sent out last month alerted the campus community that a sexual assault was reported in a Southeast residence hall. 
There is no active police investigation because the alleged victim did not file a police report. So what does the university do when they receive these allegations? Here to talk about this story is Cole Wozniak. So last month, we all received emails that a sexual assault was reported to have occurred in a dorm. What was that notification process like, and what did that message say? When I was diving into their story, I really wanted to kind of look at what had been happening so far this year in sexual assault. And it, uh, what the story led me was trying to figure out a lot of the reporting process and kind of what is supposed to be communicated to students. So when we all received that email, it was called a crime warning, which led to some confusion by students because it was called a crime warning, but then it also said that there was no active police investigation. So the reason why that was, was because um, I talked to Laura Hasselbacher, Lauren Hasselbacher at the Title Line office, and she kind of talked to me about how there's this um, law called the Cleary Crime Warnings, where certain assaults and certain things of that nature when they're occurring in, within campus geography, those types of things have to be reported. So you reported from July 2019 to June 2021, UW-Madison received 139 claims of sexual assault or violence, but only 15 of those have gone through a formal investigation. So can you explain kind of why some of those go through those investigations and some of them don't? Right. So this was probably the most um, interesting kind of catchy part of this investigation that we were looking at sexual assault with. Um, we talked to like I mentioned, Lauren Hasselbecker at the Title IX office, and she said that most students don't choose to not press or file formal complaints. And um, the reason this was that one, the Title IX office doesn't um, try to press at all for the students to file any sort of complaints. And the reasoning that they kind of stated for that was that they wanted to respect personal choice and autonomy. And also because if this person, if they're trying to press this person to um, file some sort of formal complaint and they pursued them as an investigation, but that student didn't want to pursue any sort of avenue, they would probably be very unhelpful in those type of circumstances. So they would really not, Lauren Hasselbucker felt that the office wouldn't be able to properly pursue those. So you also kind of discussed what some of the protective measures that UW can put in place to protect these victims. Can you just explain some examples of what can happen in those instances? Yeah, so they listed that the more common way in which they dealt with these alleged sexual assaults were no contact directives. Um, these directives prohibit the perpetrator from making any sort of contact with the victim. And usually if it's a student who's living on campus, if it was a freshman or any student that was living on campus, there would be additional instructions provided where they're sharing a residence hall, either one of the two people in this scenario would be moved to another residence hall, or if they were taking the same course, they would usually either be switched into another course or one of the students would have to somehow not go to class or be watching recording lectures and things of that nature. UW-Madison also has this active student organization called PAVE, which is promoting awareness, victim empowerment. So what did they have to say to you when you reached out to them about this story? Yeah, so um, PAVE president um, Jessica Melnick, she was pretty hesitant on wanting to comment at all on specific instances of sexual assault because of how um, she didn't want it to be any sort of traumatic thing for the victim to be able to see that we were discussing this in the press and things like that. But she did um, speak a lot and she said that the email we received earlier this week was certainly not the only incident on our campus and the Madison community. 
and she really pressed trying to say that there she hopes there was a greater awareness of this issue will lead to fewer instances of violence more support for survivors and a campus that practices culture of consent in all our interactions with each other and she also um, mentioned that she felt that there were institutional barriers that perpetuated victim blaming and re-traumatization through that process of how we discuss sexual assault. Yeah, is there anything else that you think readers should know about your story or anything that surprised you while you were reporting this out? I think just the numbers that we mentioned at the beginning of the story with the 15 out of 139 instances that had gone through formal investigation, that was pretty significant to me. Um, when I was thinking about maybe doing a follow-up story, I was looking at um, some, there's another organization that I was looking at statistics through and it was talking about Big Ten universities. And it was saying that um, around 12% of cases or 10% of cases were common for how many would actually go through formal investigations and things like that. So I thought it was interesting that it wasn't just a UW-Madison thing where these were being perhaps under-investigated and underreported, but it was also just a commonplace thing for other Big Ten universities. And we do have resources linked in the story on our website. Thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about this. The city of Madison conducts redistricting after each census. Recent map proposals were expected to change the makeup of District 8, leaving out some lakeshore dorms and off-campus housing to the southwest. Since then, two new proposals were developed. Here to talk about this story is Charlie Hildebrand. So let's start with some of the basics. Um, District 8, what does it currently look like and who's representing that area? So District 8 is currently represented by Alder and Juliana Bennett. And it encompasses all of the UW campuses, or all of the UW campus communities. So that includes Lakeshore dorms and a lot of off-campus housing in the Spring Street and College Court area. Um, and can you explain why this redistricting process is happening this year? Yeah, so following the census every 10 years, the city does uh, redraw the entire city maps um, after every census. So this is something that happens um, every 10 years. So the city of Madison was considering two plans to redraw the districts that would have changed District 8. What did those original plans look like? So the original plans to redraw District 8 um, basically cut off a few of the Lakeshore dorms, and it also cut off uh, a lot of off-campus student housing in the College Court Spring Street area and other um, areas by Camp Randall. So some community leaders were raising concerns about what that change would mean for how students' concerns are getting heard on the Common Council. So what were some of the things that you were hearing from them? Yeah, so a lot of concerns arose from uh, people worrying about students' voices being weakened if the campus is split up. Because if the Lakeshore dorms are put in a um, district with a lot of um, more wealthier single and family uh, residences in that neighborhood, their needs wouldn't be as hurt as much because uh, those families care more about like safety and like education issues while students are more interested in issues relating to nightlife drinking and campus safety. So those issues would be diluted. Yeah, so it looks like um, the District 8 Alder, Juliana Bennett, was really involved in getting these new proposals that we're going to talk about in a minute developed. So what were some of the things that she was concerned about? She was concerned about some of the points that I previously made about students' voices not being heard. And she addressed a lot of misconceptions, one of them being that 
people believe that students at UW-Madison don't vote at all, so they shouldn't be in one district. But she brought up a good point, saying that even if students tend to not vote that much, that shouldn't be an excuse for redrawing the district and cutting them off. Mm -hmm. So since then, the city proposed two new plans. Um, What are the changes in those new maps, and what would the changes to District 8 look like under those? Yeah, so the two recently new uh, proposed maps look very similar to what the district looks like today. They actually do include all of the Lakeshore dorms and the housing off of Spring Street and College Court area. What's the next step for these redistricting plans to go through? The city is meeting this Thursday, October 7th, to vote on a final map, so that by December 1st, the map will be finalized for spring 2022 elections. I guess just in general, do you think that students are paying attention to this redistricting plan, or do you think that maybe they're not paying attention to all of this that's going on? Yeah, in all honesty, I do not believe that many students are completely aware of this redistricting process. I think there's some confusion with how often the lines are redrawn following every census. But also, there are a lot of students on campus who aren't as politically engaged, so typically they wouldn't be too invested in um, staying up to date on these type of things. Is there anything else that you think listeners should know about redistricting and this story in general? I think one thing that makes a story unique is that um, when we talk about District 8 that encompasses all of campus, The alder for District 8 is actually a student here, Juliana. She's um, a full-time student here, and she's also taking her time to represent um, all of campus and uh, all of the students' needs. And she's been really listening to our concerns and taking that into account. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us. Thank you for having me. This has been The Student Dive, a podcast production from the Daily Cardinal and brought to you from student journalists at UW-Madison.